Welcome to Murder Mysteries with Ned and James. I am James with my cohort, Ned, where we shall bring to you sounds of a podcast for your ear holes. All right, so we have what is technically the episode pilot. I have decided that the name for this episode will be the pilot episode, take two. <laughs> which is which is amazing because it's true it is it is so this is yet another true crime podcast but with a bit of flair because not only are we going to cover actual true crimes but we're going to heckle the criminals while we go through news articles or streaming true crime documentaries and we do acknowledge that crimes are very traumatic events that can destroy multiple lives. It can destroy the victims, the families of the accused. It affects an entire communities. It goes all across the board. And in no way are we attempting to understate the damages that crime can cause, but kind of the opposite, where we're hoping to shine a light on what goes on in the world around us without us ourselves sinking into the dark headspaces and the conversations getting too heavy that it just kind of mentally does not make you feel good. Uh, we want to make an awareness of what is going on in the world around us, but at the same time, we don't necessarily want other people to relive their own traumatic events or feel the traumatic events others may have had. Because, you know, some people do feel empathy very strongly. However, <laughs> that being said, I very clearly make very inappropriate jokes as a coping mechanism. That's, that's what I am bringing to you for this podcast. I have a dark and twisted sense of humor. So you're welcome. Uh, my counterpart is Ned. And I'm a little bit more of a butterfly. We're going the butterfly route with you? Yeah, we're going to say that I'm a butterfly. You're the but butterfly. Like, sure, sure. Yeah, no, it's I'm still pretty bad, but like, I will say this, not nearly as dark as you. I haven't even scraped the surface of my darkness yet. Oh my gosh, I... I Oh, I'm kind of cringing for you now. My my apologies in advance for everything you're about to be exposed to. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. We'll get we'll get it figured out. We'll we fix it. We'll, we'll as they say, fix it in post. Yes, that is true. Um, the other interesting fact is that Ned and I actually, while we know each other, we don't know each other. So this is basically the opportunity for Ned and I to get to know each other in real life at the same time that everybody else is getting to know us. So everybody gets all of our crazy together. There are, there's all the surprises. This is not going to, what is, what is a uh, uh, big hero six? I am not okay. <laughs> that will probably just be the quote for this general podcast. Now, Ned and I are not professional podcasters, nor do we work in any fields relating to the media, police, fire department, first responders, hospitals, mortuaries. We have absolutely zero professional experience in the true crime field. Don't look at us for facts. We'll do our best to get our information accurate and cite our sources, but we're going to make mistakes, and some of our information may be wrong. Please don't be looking to this show for any type of factual statements. You're not Please going to find Please don't do it. Don't do it. Like if you ever hear me say in any way, oh, hey, this is how you put out a fire. FYI, I am probably telling you how to make the fire bigger and worse, not put it out. Do not take any information from me as life facts or anything to believe. Now, on the other side of our twisted sense of humor, go ahead and put it out there. We do not support, encourage, or condone drug usage, crime, murder, destruction, violence, hate crimes, all of that. We are not in support of any of those things. We don't 
we don't actually think these things are funny. Absolutely not. No, no, no. Just no. For tonight's episode, we had decided that we are going to live stream an episode of Deadly Women. It's going to be season nine, episode one on Hulu. If anybody wants to watch the episode and get an idea as to what we're doing. The title of the episode is Sleeping with the Enemy. It is about, um, there's Darlene Gentry, who was a beauty queen. She murdered her husband. Um, her, her murder stuff has actually been featured on a lot of podcasts, um, a lot of true crime shows. Uh, there was an episode of 999 Killer on the Line. Season 2, episode 8 was about Darlene. Um, Southern Fried True Crime, they've got a podcast episode about it. And it's, there's a lot of places to look for that. You're not going to be missing any sources whatsoever when it comes to Darlene. The next person that's going to be on the list is going to be Carol Croydon. So Carol, 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 Carol killed her husband in a hotel room with a butter knife. She basically just has the stereotype. I don't think it was a butter knife. I think it was a cheese knife. Was it? I think we'll it find was out. a cheese knife. Okay, cool. Cool. Good deal. Good deal. See? Again, corrections. We get things wrong sometimes. If Ned had not been here to correct me, you guys would have spent this whole time thinking it was a butter knife. Well, they would have found out that it was a cheese And You know what? I think it's a cheese knife because I remember thinking, that's such an odd murder weapon. Like It's, it's, it's a murder weapon that's like really difficult to actually like stab somebody with because there's like, it's, it's not sharp. It's very dull and it's not very pointy. Well, actually, cheese knives are fairly sharp, but they have the, the little like fork ends on them. And so I was like, that's a very, very difficult thing to have murdered somebody with. Because I remember they kept showing pictures of it, and I don't remember it looking like a cheese knife. I think it was a cheese knife. I, re I remember, like, preemptively watching this episode, and I thought to myself, that's just an oddball weapon to choose. Yes, yes. But hers is, regardless, just a stereotypical, I'm a bored housewife. That That is the whole story for Carol Corydon. She was she was a bored housewife. She was going for that clue death. She was all like yes. Colonel Mustard in the library with the candlestick. Yep. That is exactly what she was doing. Claire Welsh, she was featured on an episode of Snapped, um, season five, episode nine. Uh, Claire's deal, she's basically just mad because nobody wanted to marry her. I remember that one, too. I remember yeah. just losing her ever-loving shit. Like, woman, you probably should have checked yourself into some rehab real quick. Something. But regardless, this episode, it's it's going to be a classic one for us to uh, go through and make fun of. Oh, God. Like, I, I think I'm remembering this one. It's, it's all, it's like, uh, what is it? Boomerang. It's all coming back to you. Yeah, this one's great. It's like. Hilarious. And our lovers on Earth, we feel safe and secure. But some men shouldn't. Most men shouldn't. Just men. Into a brute. Bullet in spouse's head. Problem solved. She's not wrong. Money doesn't satisfy one English rose. He was watching himself bleed out. And how being dumped makes a valedictorian snap. It was all in for her or nothing. These deadly women hide their cruel nature. Their men don't have any idea they are sleeping with the enemy. They could have chosen like a better name. Honestly, deadly women. Yeah. 24-year-old Darlene Gospicel is used to attention because of her good looks and her bubbly personality. And all of that was validated. Her daddy's money, probably. Most definitely. Barbie doll, blonde hair. All the guys crazy for her. It's no surprise her ex-boyfriend, 23-year-old Keith Gentry, is tempted back into her arms. That must have been some really good sex he got from her. 
Not to be confused with Montgomery Gentry. Don't get them confused. Nope, no confusion there. I think he was her Ken. And considerate, handsome, just an all-round great guy. When did you get back? Yesterday. What, you didn't go? The college sweethearts split up when Darlene, a dental assistant, tried her luck in a big city, Dallas. Before Darlene went oh, Of course it's Dallas. Yep. <laughs> I was thinking of you. It's always fucking Dallas. Texas has got the best, craziest stories when it comes to murders and shit. You like, like no shit. Like, <sighs> there's a lot of crazy people out there. And apparently, a lot of them live in Dallas. Yep. Yeah, it's it's six thirty-five. It's what it is. It's the interstates. Yeah, blame the interstates. I called her the cute little blonde for me because she was very pretty and put together. I bet the truth. Everybody thought. People Ooh, in Texas really have that strong of an accent. No. But yes. Some of us do. Some of us don't. Then there's the middle of the road folk. My brother, strangely enough, has a very northerner accent. And I'm just like, Ugh. Now look at that. Overbearing mother-in-law. Keith, an electrician. It's always the mother. He's away from home most of the week. I was hoping you'll be able to help Darlene out. I hate the fact that her first instinct was about the money. Oh, good. That means more money, right? But as the years pass, happiness fades after three children. And a part-time job. Baby. Her time in the spotlight has disappeared. The full head nurse. And then she's got a mother of three. Honey, you deserve to be tired. Yeah, seriously. She wasn't the center of attention. She wasn't the star of the show anymore. Oh, gosh, no. People are paying attention to those children. How dare they? How dare those children get more attention than the woman that birthed them? Keith's parents. Uh oh, hooker red. Babysit. I don't know what I Probably have to pay another babysitter. I feel like she probably would have just left the kids to babysit themselves. I, you know what? You know what? Children. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Yeah. Given this series context, she probably would have like, like. Duct tape them to the fucking wall or something. I see. I'm sorry. I I don't care who the fuck I'm going out with, but if I am not going out with husband, I am not dressing like that. That's because you're not trying to attract another uh, spider that you can black widow. I guess that's true. She wasn't ready to give up the happy life. I know that beat. What is it? The happy life was being attention. All the time. She wasn't ready to give it up, but yet, you know, it took her three kids to realize she wasn't ready to give it up. You'd think she'd realize that when she's pregnant with the first kid. No, 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 no. When when she was pregnant with the first one, she probably got more attention. And then it was the same thing for the second one. And then it was the same thing for the third one. And now she doesn't have a baby. So, of course, the kids are the center of the attention now. Yeah, see, the thing is, when you're a woman... You get the attention for the first kid. The second kid, you get half the attention. The third kid, they're like, oh, look, that bitch got knocked up again. Who fucking cares? I wouldn't know. I'm not a woman. And gives up his job on the road to spend more time with his children. Damn, bitch. I mean, how (laughs) dare he? How dare he try to be a good father? Rude. Are costing a fortune. Keith got a call one day from the bank that their credit card was overdue. Dun dun dun. Bank. That was the fucking bank. That's who the fuck it was. She has no. We'll talk about this when we get home. She just spends. You're going to put on the red dress tonight. Yep. Don't worry. 
Darlene's spending had become a financial family crisis. I don't know about you, but I have not met a lot of Darlene's that are not expensive. There's only one I can think of, and her name is Darlene Connor. For a perfect storm. Her whole life began to just fall apart. All right, I don't know. I'll have to take your word on that one. It's the show Roseanne. Oh, Jesus Christ. Darlene. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I went there. That was a deep cut. <laughs> and if you can see the grin on my face, I'm very proud of that one. I, I can hear it in your voice. Yes, that was a good one. Husband's not even here to appreciate it. He's already abandoned us. Of course. He said, oh, you have Craig now. Bye. Yeah. I'm leaving you with Craig and your friend. Leave you with Craig and Ned. Oh, my gosh. You've got, to... you, you got a bear and a man with glasses <laughs> in your life. You don't need me. <laughs> don't forget the mustache. You cannot forget the quality of a good mustache. I actually have my mustache set up right now. You got it set up or you have it shaved? No, I have it like that's all set up and curled and whatnot. Oh, nice. See? You can't see me, but I am bringing a certain level of <clears throat> professionalism. Is that what that is? That's what that is. The, the curled mustache. Evil bad guy. <laughs> the glasses. I'm prepared to uh, offer. Austin Powers, no million dollars. <laughs> I have freaking sharks with freaking lasers on my freaking head. Rico, Texas, 2000. Pretty horse, though. Darlene Gentry has three small boys. Darlene! One unhappy husband. What? And a mountain of debt. This has got to stop. By all accounts... Of outsiders, Darlene and Keith were a happy couple. Or what? You leave me? But inside the house was a different story. Or There's what? You leave me? Look, she apparently has got to be really good in bed. That's the only thing I can think of. Darlene wanted to be free and single. What if? <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends on the definition of good. Some men like a lazy fish. That's true. Uh-oh. She's no longer looking at him as a human. She's looking at him as a decimal point. Always look for the easy way. This dude is killing me with that Ryan Seacrest hair. I know it. Benefits. Marriage is not convenient. It's difficult. Murder is convenient. The way she holding that gun, she's lucky it didn't fly back and clack her in between the fucking eyes. I guess she just kids didn't wake up. Them kids are sleeping like fucking rocks. Right? Like a home invasion. So she takes Keith's firearms and places them on the front lawn. Like that is the dumbest shit I've ever fucking seen. Have abandoned them on their way out. This is this is what happens whenever somebody moves to like Dallas, and they don't know how. To, they don't watch enough true crime. Morning. I was in the surgery. I noticed the back door was wide open. He's not dead. He clings to life. His nurse wife does nothing to save him. The critical information that the person. She She's a really bad fucking shot if that's where she shot him. You saw how she was holding that gun. It was a little better than holding it sideways. I'm making a god awful sound. I think I shot him. I don't want to get too close. He might be coming down with something and I don't want to catch it. It's a case of bullet to the head. I mean, she may as well have just told him on the phone. I shot him, and now he's, he's like, gurgling. I shot him, but I didn't shoot him dead. How do I fix this? Oh my god, that, re that reminds me of another joke. Well, what's the joke? 
guys out there in the forest. He calls up 911. He goes, I think I shot my bot, my buddy. He might, I think he's dead. Operator goes, can you make sure of that, sir? He goes, okay, hold on. Then you hear two more gunshots. Oh yep, he's God. dead. <laughs> That's a good one. That had blood on the outside of the glove, and it had a shell casing inside of it. See, here's my concern now, is knowing that she was a nurse, and, like, all these things that she did are just so fucking dumb. I'm just kind of like, how good of a nurse are you? Because I not a very good one. Yeah, I feel like I would not want you as my nurse. I'm just, yeah, maybe she's like a not a trauma nurse or ER nurse. To seal the case, the murder weapon, and they get a tip from a man who thinks he knows where she hid it. Oh yeah, Darlene is really interested in buying this piece of property. Uh, which has a little pond on it or a lake. What they think is she threw the weapon into that water. A police search finds the 22 caliber revolver. I mean, do they really use a stick to poke around in there? I figured they'd have an actual tool. Like a net? Yeah, like a net or an actual, like, legitimate tool. Like a poker tool, but, like, it looks like he just used a stick. Which means Darlene will have to return... To retrieve the gun, the rangers set up a camera in the woods near the pond and kept it trained on the pond and sat and waited. She's going to have to go into that water herself, take out that weapon, because if she doesn't get it, the cops will find it. Here comes Darlene walking into the picture. Wearing hip waders and walking around in the pond right in the area where the gun had been retrieved. Beauty queens rarely make good killers and Dar that is a fact is no exception they said beauty queens rarely make good killers and i was like that is a fact usually they're done shit of first degree murder sentenced to 60 years behind bar oh he actually died i thought they saved him no he but died like uh, i think it was like 12 days later or oh, three weeks later yeah I was really hoping he got through. The widow, she'd get a lot of sympathy. God, she wasn't even that attractive. Nope. A game of hide and seek. She called the police, his brother, the hospital. She was completely hysterical. Reveals more than a skeleton in the closet. It's a story of sex, lies, and videotape. And has a ghastly endgame. So, like... <laughs> Every politician's thing? Right. English Rose, Carol Croydon, marries the man of her dreams in the year 2000. It's a second marriage. There's the first problem. He's got white hair, she's got brown. Yep. Extremely nice man. Nobody really had a bad word to say about Richard. Philip is 10 years older than Carol. With two grown up sons. I can spiral up to bed. That's usually the first indicator in these things where the problem starts. Night. All her life. Gold digger. Had a very shocking, unhappy upbringing as a child. She's put into foster care at just two years of age. Until death do us part. Until death do us part. Her mother fled. Her violent husband. But she didn't take Carol with her. You may kiss the bride. For a child, that would be devastating. Carol must have been attracted to Philip's stability, his honesty. And his money. The couple settles... There's only two reasons. Of the Sherwood Forest. That most people, most... Most women, or men for that matter, will marry an older person. Yep. And it's money. Green card. Or love. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean that's still technique. I guess that's, that falls under money, wouldn't it? No, it's just them wanting to get out of the country they live in. Yeah. I think, you know what? There's a few ones, but I'm trying to keep it a little uh, PG, so. 
Well, that was your first mistake. He bought her a luxury sports car. He bought her jewelry. He bought her clothes. A bit funny with the things sometimes. She loved the money. She loved the lifestyle that Philip was able to create for her. And that's what she seemed to crave above all things. She likes it. Philip even signed over their half million pound house to her name and did the same thing with his business. And that was just dumb. Dude, that was not the move. Counting their pennies. They seem like a match made in heaven. Get your girls to check things out. Philip so adored Carol that he even named his upholstery company after her. I need to get back to action. You were taking me out to it. To make hay while the sun shines. But the business keeps Phil busy at work. And not in the bedroom. That was not good enough for her. She demanded constant attention. So she found that she wasn't getting it from Philip. So she looked elsewhere. Carol had three affairs in fast succession over about a six-month period. Tells you about her dissatisfaction wow. with her home life. She said, you better pull up. Husband, who was very well off and gave her everything she wanted. Except he didn't give her boyfriends. Those she had to go out and get on her own. First world problems, man. The first affair Carol had was a brief fling with a man from work. But Carol wants more. She discovers the joy of online shopping. Did you see the picture of that one creepy guy? She then met another Oh, I looked away right that moment. Nelson was a 50-year-old former lab assistant, a former council worker who himself mm. was married. I told my wife about it. Why did you do that? I'm leaving. I'm spending all my time with you. Nelson. Where she goes, you're what? fucking crazy, and then gets the fuck out of bed. Carol. Right. Carol had two great loves in life. Of course, she runs for the. She falls for the wrong Jeremy lookalike. Yeah. But it turns out Carol isn't the only Croydon fooling around. Bum bum bum. At the same time, Philip was also having an affair, uh, but neither of them. Knew what the other one was up to. After only three I mean, why not just why not just have an open marriage or be polyamorous and just go on your merry way? Because that's that's not the way that you get money in the uh, Brits. I mean, you got to keep that shit under wraps. You got to keep it in the back rooms. It's secret. <laughs> I just I remember watching that, thinking the same thing, like. Why don't y'all just have an open relationship or have designated misters and mistresses? Like, come on. Yeah, it's like neither neither one of you are sleeping with each other. You're both sleeping with other people, and she only likes him for his money, and we have no clue what he likes her for. So just call it a fucking I day. Tell you what, it's definitely not her teeth. Nope. Do you see the actual picture for the for Carol? No, give me a second here. Okay. I gotta go find that. What's her name? Last name? Croydon. It's C R O Y D O N. That picture, man. That picture. Oh, ooh. Yeah. I mean, she's just giving me like lady in black at the foot of the bed vibes. Yep, yep, yep. 2003. British couple Carol and Philip Croydon struggle to keep their three-year marriage alive. Carol was tired of being married to Philip, that's clear. Both have been having illicit affairs, but now Carol wants to settle their differences. Oh, she's going to settle the differences, all right. I know it. A romantic evening. At a hotel. It's a time-worn formula to rekindle the flames. But tonight... Could it be rekindling flame. the flames? Flames of the crematorium. <laughs> Carol is stuck at home and can't... That's one way to rekindle them. She'd phone local hospitals. She'd phone other people. All to ask where Philip was. 
Housekeeping. The night of anticipated romance. Romance. That's important there. It's April 26, 2003, and Philip is found naked in a hotel room. I mean, I'd scream at seeing him naked, too. 22 stab wounds to his chest and neck. With a cheese knife. Covered with blood. Oh, like she said she's going to cut this cheese. <laughs> There's only one way to ensure this is Gouda. <laughs> Jack this Colby. And she got increasingly hysterical. Only one of the Croydons made it to the hotel that night. Or so it seems. We're hoping the security cameras in the hotel this month. Earth? Did you see that stop and that whole yeah. act? Like it was like going from a hundred to zero, fucking real quick. Yep, that was like shit. Cameras are a thing. Carol is keeping a secret, and CCTV cameras are about to expose it. Carol immediately changed the story and claimed that Philip had been at a swingers party at the hotel. <laughs> she went to the hotel. Well, I mean, technically, she was swinging that blade, so he, she's not lying. Exactly. Carol says the swingers must have killed her husband. There is it was no the swingers, them damn dirty swingers. This is why swingers have a bad name. All because of Carol. Damn it, Carol. Always interrupting a good thing. You are ruining swinging for the rest of everybody else who likes it. Carol's swingers story. Like children on a swing set, adults on yeah. a swing set. Yeah, I'll never be swing able to set makers. And committed murder. Swing set. If somebody is making a left or right turn from the original story, that's a huge problem. The police finally pieced together. What really happened that night? I don't think Carol would say it was much of a huge problem. Carol arrives carrying a shopping bag and armed with an unusual weapon. A cheese knife is a rather strange weapon to stab someone See? with. It's a cheese knife. <laughs> yep. She just picked it up because it was the sharpest thing she could find. Who brings Carol a cheese a knife to a gunfight? Well, now what's funny... Is that technically, <laughs> this wasn't going to be no shootout at the OK Corral, but he did, in fact, <laughs> have a gun. <laughs> and he had an OK time. Carol had him where she wanted him, naked, vulnerable, expecting more sex. And suddenly, out of that bag, she produced the cheese. So, she, so he at least got laid right before he died. Yep, yep, apparently he was waiting for more. But it looked like he was sleeping to me. Yeah, the dramatization made it look like he was sleeping. He did not look interested in more sex in that. He would be covered in blood and a great deal of pain. Just imagine every time that cheese knife has to go in, it has to go over that forked edge. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> that really has to suck. Now, here's my thing. Why? One, why does she have two ties? Two. Why did they not fingerprint the hotel room when they found his body? They, they probably did. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, you got to kind of think like they do have uh, housekeeping come through there and most yeah, people may come through. Yeah, but housekeeping saw the body and immediately ran. They still, like, would be able to find hairs. You know, they could have ran DNA testing on the sheets. Like, Just, uh, I don't think they'd want to run that. that. That'd probably take a few years. Nah, not in 2003. Everything happened in two seconds back then. No, no, I was just saying that's a lot of DNA on some sheets to run. Yeah. Nelson was nothing more than a sex story and an alibi. For Carol. I like the fact that she's like, I just had sex with my husband and then murdered him, and now I'm going to go bang this other dude that looks really creepy. 
I mean, I don't know what she's into. I'm not going to pretend to know. But Apparently, she's nice. <laughs> you should have followed it up with, well, I may not know what she's into, but I know what he's into. <laughs> oh, that would have been a good one. Murderous ladies. Mur- murderous madams. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we would need, like, a spinoff that would be, like, murderous midwives. Oh, my God. Yeah, just <laughs> midwives that, like, killed the women that were birthing people. And then she'd, like, midwives? Okay. I think I get what you're saying. And then she'd keep the babies. And she'd have, like, a really large family. And in the end, it'd all be okay. Because now she can finally afford to get food stamps. She's got all these kids she's got to take care of. Government stipend. Yeah. <sighs> the, what is it? The gruesome government stipend slaughterer. Yeah. The web of lies comes further unstuck when police find the shopping bag at her home. Not the bag! The whole bag. The only bag. And nothing but the bag. Who the fuck that bitch gonna take the fucking bag to her goddamn house? It's got blood inside of it. She liked the fabric. Carol Croydon is found guilty of first. She's going to use it to re-gift somebody something. She is sentenced to. She said, "I need to put this bag as my wallpaper. I need some Stanley Kubrick in my life." Herself was incredibly chilling figure. She looks incredibly chilling. With an allure that seemed to draw men in. Carol Croydon. You know what it is. It's the uh, the attractiveness and danger. It still wasn't enough. She wanted her lifestyle with no strings attached. Her goal is her own pleasure and money. Other people's money. That's a psychopath. Look at that face. That's, Man, that's just creepy. Love is easy. Uh, this chick. This chick is like the ultimate crazy. Yes, I remember this one pretty vividly. You know, something's going to happen with her. She's a fatal attraction. Is a little more complicated. Rejection is as painful for someone like Claire as a knife through her heart. I feel like any time another man tells a man, hey, that person is going to be like a fatal attraction, I feel like that should be a red flag and you should listen to that. No, no, like, no. Everyone loves a wedding. Except 32-year-old Claire Welsh. That bitch. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Smart and beautiful. Claire seems like a good catch. Claire was a cheerleader, a valedictorian, and a physical therapist from Arizona. Seemed like she had her life made. But none of her men stay around. Probably because they figured out that bitch was fucking crazy. Don't take long. Because she was crazy. Like, categorically. Then, in 1995, she meets Jack Molesky at his sister's wedding. I can't believe I've known your sister all this time. I know. Well, it's always for her to get hitched. The 38-year-old school teacher is the perfect tonic for Claire's wounded pride. He was the salt of the earth. He was the kindest person you would ever meet. Can I see you again? Everybody liked him because he was just a nice guy. And before you know it, Jack and Claire had started a relationship. No lie, I forgot her name was... Claire, and when that lady was saying Jack, my brain instantly jumped to Jack and Jill. Yeah, yeah. We should rename her and call her Jill. Oh, my God. I mean, they are about to go up this hill. An outstanding rock climber, a mountain climber, well-known throughout Colorado. My favorite thing is that they hardcore focused on this whole, like, rock climbing thing and how great he was at it. So you were just assuming that's how he's going to die. Jack's a good teacher. Claire's a willing student. You're a good man, I promise. But she wants much more. This was the new love of her life. 
they were going to live together and it was going to be happily ever after and everything was going to be wonderful. What Jack doesn't know is his new girlfriend. Fucking psycho. Has borderline personality disorder. A hallmark characteristic of someone with borderline personality disorder is intense fears of abandonment in almost every relationship they form. Oh, uh, excuse me, I'm talking. Jack. I almost felt sorry for her when they said that. Almost. And it wasn't really until I got to the end of the episode and I was like, no. Yep. She had to be with him at all costs. Hello, uh, Susan. And Claire won't be sharing. She's I'm just going to put on bra and underwear. You know what? Now's a great time to make some phone calls. <laughs> that is exactly what I thought. Like, who makes these calls in their underwear? The fact that she is calling all of these women in his book to just be like, I'm his girlfriend, bitches. And going through his phone book and calling women in his little black book, so to speak. That just seems excessive. That is uh... definitely. Like, I am that person that if that happens to me... I'm going to reach out to the guy that that person is dating and be like, hey, just to let you know, your girlfriend told me, and like, I don't appreciate it. Somebody did. <laughs> he couldn't just say, go away, woman, leave me alone. He just sort of tried to gently push her away. Well, then you shouldn't have called all the female people I've ever met. God damn, what'd you expect was going to happen? He was going to come home and be like, this, this is what I wanted in my life. Yep. He thought he was all done with her. Baby, you ain't done yet. And she's got luggage. She's got more than luggage, mama. Than luggage. She said she didn't have any place to stay. She doesn't have a job. She has nothing. Please help me, Jack. Well, where was she staying? What happened to her job? Jack agrees to support Claire through her pregnancy. So he's seen a doctor. He took her pregnant. She's hoping they'll pick up where they left off. Well, I'm going to hit the sack. Good night, then. Claire this is one of those moments it. of he's just not that into you. <laughs> was getting back. Yeah. If a guy can see a partially exposed breast and just be like, I'm walking away, he is not into you. She would get in bed with him, and one thing would lead to another, and, you know, things would happen there. She moves in and immediately sort of starts taking over. She changed the message on his voicemail so that instead of just saying, you got Jack, you've got, you've got Jack and Claire. She was really trying to keep him in her life. Yeah. She wouldn't have been... She wouldn't have been playing catch with her mouth, okay? Yeah. This is very sick and twisted, but she brought she bought herself plenty of time to have gotten knocked up. Well, that's what she was trying to do. Wait. Well, she wasn't doing it very well. Nope. Claire isn't pregnant. It's always the that's test fault. Mm-hmm. Always the test. See Claire for what she was. A deadly woman. Sorry, we're unable to load a message from our sponsors. Advertisements allow us to provide quality content to you at a low subscription price. I remember when Hulu was free. Right? I tried to get the free Hulu, and it still wanted me to sign up for a subscription. I yep. remember when Hulu was free. You, you, could, you could get it for free. And then you could pay a small subscription and get the premium plan. Yep. 96 in Colorado Springs. Oh, that's the first problem, Colorado. Claire Welsh's lies. He demands she moves out of his apartment. 
he put his foot down and said, you have to leave. And I want you out. And it was probably very hard for him to do that. Oh, you, you couldn't come over at January 12th, 1997. Claire makes a frantic. She doesn't. Who races over to Jack's apartment. Claire? Claire was in a fetal position on the floor, totally naked. Claire, can you hear me? She had the gunshot wound to the chest, and she had the graze wound to her head. As Jack lies dead in his bed, it looks like a home invasion. When they started to question Minus the gun laying on his she chest. She remembered her name, but not a whole lot else. I must have missed that both times. She said, I can't answer any questions. I might say something wrong. Can you tell me what happened? She stared up at the roof where she just blankly stared ahead. Claire doesn't want to tell her terrible secret. She was a nut job. I mean, really, she was just flat out crazy obsessed with this man. Police search cool, cool, cool. and find cool, 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 cool. passages Claire's highlighted. Maybe not religiously crazy too. A mess. Anxiety, depression, fear of death. She had to be with him at all costs. She went out and bought a gun. Claire is planning a way they can be together forever. One night. After Jack had gone to sleep, she grabbed the gun and the ammunition. Jack was sleeping on his stomach. She put the muzzle of the gun flat against his skull. Well, at least she's already doing better than the nurse did. <laughs> it's, bad. it's bad when the psycho is better than the person who's supposed to be saving your life. Yep. Because if she couldn't have him, no one else could have him. I'll say this. At least he went out very quickly and did not suffer. And the cruelty to not love her. My favorite part is the fact that this crazy-ass bitch laid there and cuddled his dead body. To stay put. For hours. What, you don't, you don't like a little necrophilia in your life? Does it not do it for you? you like, not look, interested? At her. look at her. Afterwards, for quite some time, based on the condition his body was in. Uh, once we got there. The fact that Claire could cuddle up. She ascribes to the crack and a cold one open with the boys mentality. And collected she was about killing Jack. There was no anxiety there. For hours she lies with Jack's corpse. Claire doesn't want to spend life in prison. She wants to spend eternity with Jack. They forgot about the part where she made the phone call first. And look at that. I guess her head wasn't a big enough target for her shooting ability. <laughs> <laughs> I want that lady as my grandmother. I ain't even. I ain't even gonna. I ain't even gonna read her. Mama doing the best. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't think Claire ever really intended on killing herself. No. Claire finally confesses to but says she didn't know what she was doing. What I recollect is her being in a daze. No control of it. No, I, I threw that out the window right away. No one believes Claire Welsh's plea of insanity. In 1998, she is convicted of murder and sentenced to life without parole. See, Claire should have had it all. I feel like she should have had a psyche vow. Yeah, I do feel like on this particular one, um, being that it is established, she does have a borderline personality disorder. She is very much mentally unstable, and that is very much insanity. Because I can't, can't imagine anybody in their right mind doing the shit she did. And like... Like we we we've watched a couple of these now, and like we they go on about how deadly these women are, 
but you can tell that most of them are in their right mind. But this lady was completely off the rocking chair. Most definitely. Like, she was absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I said, there's there's not many of these going to be that, like, I'll disagree with the verdict. But I do think on this particular instance, the bitch was certifiable. Yeah, she legit probably should have just been committed and, like, to stay in a psych ward for her sentencing. Yeah. And then when she is mentally stable enough, go back and revisit it. They've done that before. That shit is insane. That's like, oh my gosh. Ugh. Ah. So, yeah, that's, that is about it. I don't think I have any interesting news stories. I don't have any interesting news stories either. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I could look some up, but at the same time, we have been doing this for about an hour now, so. Yeah. Well, we've actually been chatting for a lot longer, so. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But I think we're probably at a good stopping point. I think this is definitely going to be a really good episode to use. Yeah, I think this one's a lot better, at least from what I recall of the other one we did. I still haven't. Yeah. You still haven't sent me the edited one, so I could be like, okay, we can use this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm still editing that one. Okay. So, but I think that's a good point. We can tell everybody goodbye and happy Throat Punch Thursday. Yeah, it is the day before Feral Friday. It is, in fact, the it day is. before Feral Friday. Yep. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go ahead and chunk up the deuces and I'm going to head out. But you take care and you have a good one. All right. You too. Thanks, everybody. Toodles, mm -hmm. everybody. Bye.